0: why should we be talking about Japanese national national security policy, their concerns about their security, etc. right now, and that too in detail in a full episode of Cut the Clutter. What importance does it have for us? I know that most of you know, I am sure, because it's been in the headlines that the Indian Air Force and Japanese Air Force are going to hold an exercise just next year or next month, in fact, from Jan 16 to 26 at at Hyakuri, H-Y-A-K-U-R-I, Hayakuri Air Base in Japan. It's a 10-day exercise. It's called Veer Guardian. So that's an exercise. We know that Japan, India are both members of the Quad with the US and Australia. But why are we so concerned or so interested in Japanese national security strategy? Because they have just, because they have just released a document. If you read the the document with its annexures, it's a sizable document. So, you might say, all right, it's still the Japanese concern, but why are we so bothered? That's because because of somebody called Xi Jinping. Now, you know what? We, We commentators, pundits, we write many things, we take many calls, sometimes we go wrong, Terrible! It feels terrible and we keep getting reminded by our readers, viewers that you got this wrong. But sometimes we also get it right. So, sometimes when you do get it right, I know it is immodest, but you should also not be shy of saying that I got it right. So, something that I have been writing, if you google it, you will find it in a lot of my writings and also in the spoken word. Even in some of the interviews I have done, including with the former U.S. Secretary of Defense, Ashton Carter, unfortunately, passed away uh, not long ago. That interview was done in Imperial Hotel in Delhi. There, I have used a metaphor. And that metaphor is that the moment the Chinese start giving India trouble on our borders, because our borders have been silent for decades now, peace has held. But the moment the Chinese start creating trouble… This will wake up all of China's front yard because all of the states in China's front yard with whom China harbors differences of opinion, in this case, over mostly over maritime boundaries, they will all get insecure that if the Chinese can start hassling India like this, when will they come to us? The fact is that Xi Jinping did not even leave much to chance because around time he came for our throats or he tried to come to come for our throats and he's been stuck since then. We are also there since then in in Ladakh. He He also stirred up old dormant disputes with many of his neighboring countries again in the front yard. That could be Australia. See right now the tussle that's going on between him and Australia over Pacific islands, say uh, Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, that's one example. With Japan over Senkaku Islands, remember, we had a full episode of Cut the Clutter on that. Then with Taiwan, he's ratcheted, ratcheted up trouble with the Philippines, Indonesia, etc., Vietnam, etc., etc., etc. So, Xi Jinping has got everybody concerned. Now, it it is a result of this concern, in fact, we all know that the Quad came up, right? And Quad has Japan as its partner. So, what Japanese think of their security right now is also integral to what the Quad thinks of its security. And it's also of that much more relevance to us in India. Again, what have the Japanese done? So, the Japanese government for the first time in its history has come up with a national security strategy. Along with that, they've also released their national defense strategy and also defense build-up program. All three of them have been released together. This happened last week, Friday. Now, we were waiting for stuff to come out. All these documents are quite sizable. So, I did read these up. I also read up commentaries on these. I am sharing links to these documents with you. They are too detailed. And like all such government documents, they are filled with platitudes as well. So, you have to search for some nuggets here and there which I have done for you. But also, I have read up commentaries on this. So, there are two readings in particular besides these documents that I am sharing with you. There is an article from Defense News and there is also an article from Military Technology. These are specialized publications. Also, because we are focusing on the military part of these three policies, national security strategy, national defense strategy, and also a defense build-up program. Now, the key thing in national security strategy is, I am cutting out a lot of the fast and a lot of the fat and the platitudes. The key thing here is that the Japanese are talking about a counter-strike capability. Now, did you ever imagine... Japanese talking about it about it counter strike capability because so far the Japanese Japanese were quite quite content to be defensive because their security was outsourced to America as part of the Yoshida doctrine and i will just come to the Yoshida doctrine and explain to you in some detail so they thought the americans will come and protect us they just wanted coastal defenses and other such defenses to provide a kind of complementary defense or supplementary defense for their nation and their islands. But the Chinese over the past couple of years have really been, really been building up tension over Senkaku Islands. Plus, as the Chinese now come into Taiwan or target Taiwan, not come into Taiwan, that was wrong usage on my part. As the Chinese now target Taiwan and increase their provocations, remember that from the other coast of Taiwan, there is one coast of Taiwan that faces China, The other coast of Taiwan, the Japanese islands with the Chinese covet are not that far away. So, those exclusive economic zones, etc. also mix up. So, the Japanese also see Taiwan's defense as integral to their own defense. It's a frontline state for them. And the Japanese lately have said that they will play a role in Taiwan's defense if push comes to the shove. Now, in that situation, the Japanese are asking for a counter-strike capability. That is something we had not imagined. What does the strategy say? What does the document say? And I quote from the document, quote, There have been dramatic advances in missile-related technology, including hypersonic weapons. Missile forces in the region have significantly improved in qualitative and quantitative terms. Who are they referring to? They are referring to China and North Korea. North Korea, yes, but not just to North Korea, China as well. And I quote from the National Security Strategy, and this is in quote marks, that Japan will continue its steadfast efforts to both qualitatively and quantitatively enhance its ballistic missile defense capabilities. And then the policy document goes on to say that this has become increasingly tough with existing resources, that is to defend Japan against missiles, Japanese mainland in particular, against missiles has now become increasingly tough with what Japan already has. So, Japan needs to upgrade its ballistic missile defenses. Then the policy says that Japan now needs weapons that can hit enemy territory which would, and I quote again from the policy, enable Japan to mount a f- effective counter-strike against an opponent to prevent further attacks. And then the policy goes on to explain what the Japanese are worried about. And they say they take inspiration from what's happened in Ukraine, that if Ukraine had these capabilities, then Russia would not have invaded Ukraine. So the Japanese now want these capabilities. Who are they trying to deter? They are not trying to deter North Korea big time. They are trying to deter essentially the Chinese. What this does is, 1956 policy was not to build any formidable military capability on Japan's part, particularly not a counter-strike capability. That has now been dumped quite decisively. And again, the example quoted is Ukraine's predicament. So, what is this going to lead to? This is going to lead to Japanese investing 43 trillion yen, that is about $315 billion. Additionally, over what their defense budget is right now. what this, this would also mean that Japan's annual defense budget will now go up to 2% of Japan's GDP. And Japan's GDP, Japan is not a very large country. It's just 12.5 crore population and declining, which the Japanese are very worried about. But the fact is that with almost a $5 trillion economy and just 12.5 crore population, Japan is a very wealthy country. And this economy, which today is almost little less than twice as large as India's. So far, Japan had confined itself to spending only 1%, up to 1% of its GDP on defense. That's a policy that came in after 1951 as part of the Yoshida doctrine, which I will explain to you. That has now gone up to about one and a half, and it will go up to 2%. So, this is the Japanese economy. The mighty Japanese GDP, 2% of Japanese GDP is going to be a lot of money. And remember what? Most of this money will will go towards buying new equipment, new capabilities, new technologies. Because the Japanese do not have such a big salary bill and a pension bill. Japanese armed forces all together now is less than two and a half lakh people. That is less than a sixth of India. So much of it will go into buying new firepower and new capabilities for the Japanese defense forces or the Japanese armed forces. If these budget promises are met, and Japanese Prime Minister has now said that he's, he he's going to go to 2% of GDP, then by 2027, both in spending, defense spending, and firepower, Japan will become the third strongest military force in the world. So, if you look at today's values, by 2027, At today's values, Japanese defense budget will come to about 77 billion dollars. Today India's is about 75 billion dollars, the bulk of which goes into salaries and pensions, etc. But that besides the point, the fact is that the Japanese economy will grow, Japanese inflation will will be lower than India's inflation. So all calculations tell us that by 2027, Japan will be spending more on its defense than even India with so many other problems. And Japan will be the third largest spender and also hold, also be holding the third strongest firepower in the world. Now, that is something the Chinese are taking notice of. They must take notice of. At the same time, India should also take notice of, not because the Japanese are going to be a threat to India, but because this also helps balance China, this also forces China to look somewhere else, not just look at countries that they might consider militarily weaker to them and who do not have security alliances with the other big powers. Japan, on the other hand, has its security guaranteed by the Americans. Now, what will the Japanese buy from all this new money that they get? They want to buy new Tomahawk missiles with longer range because their concern is the Chinese coming in on their ships to invade them. They also worry about the Russians because they also have a dispute on the other side of the islands, of of their big islands, with the Russians over what is called as the Kuril Islands. So Russians have been making claims there, and Putin has been more aggressive with those claims. That also featured in a full episode of Cut the Clutter some time back. Now, they'll buy tomahawks. They will also buy air-to-surface standoff weapons and also surface-to-air, long-range surface-to-air guided missiles. Also, they want to, they want to increase the range of their land-based missiles to 1500 kilometers. That is basically so that they can target a Chinese ship very far away from their coast. They don't have such a threat from any other country. They are also going to invest in hypersonic weapons, unmanned aerial vehicles. Also, they are collaborating with Britain and Italy to build a new sixth generation, 6G fighter FX, and this will be built by Mitsubishi. So, Mitsubishi in collaboration with Britain and Italy. Money is being allocated for that also. Plus, there is going to be a lot of allocation for cyber security and space. So, we told you about the Yoshida doctrine. What is Yoshida doctrine? Shigeru Yoshida was a Japanese statesman, the first prime minister of Japan from 1948 onwards. You know, Japan in 1945 was defeated by the allies, mainly by the Americans at that point. And then, it changed direction. It redefined itself, its nationalism, its national priorities. So, Shigeru Yoshida was the prime minister from 1948 to 1954. And he came up with an idea that Japan should focus on its economic development, become a big economic power, use economic diplomacy to project its power and influence globally, but leave the military defense, leave its military defense to the Americans. Now, that was not to be a permanent policy because Xi Jinping arrived on the scene in 2014 and he appended all the existing arrangements. So after that, everybody thought that they they were left to fend for themselves. We know that in India, as soon as he came on a visit, his troops came into Chumar and after that Doklam, etc., etc., other countries have subsequently seen similar problems, not as grave as, say, India has done, but they've all seen it. And that's the reason they've all been making their own preparations. And this is a part of that. Now that Yoshida doctrine is completely over, the Japanese will pay for their defense. In fact, in the National Security Strategy, I am fascinated to read several passages. See that. Read the whole document. Several passages where the Japanese are worried about their people. One, they are wor- worried about their declining population. One, they are worried about their declining population. So they have appointed a new minister that is Masanobu Ogura, who used to be minister for loneliness and isolation. Japan is an unusual country; it also has a high suicide rate. So there was a minister for loneliness and isolation, but he also now he also has a charge now for increasing birth rates in Japan. But as part of their national security strategy, they are also, also allocating a bunch of money and laying great emphasis around, around spreading ideas of nationalism, spreading ideas of national interest, etc., etc., among their population. One of the passages that is important from the national security strategy, I will read to you, and that is directed at Japan's own population. It's an internal thing. It says they want to promote better understanding from people of Japan and international community for J- Japan's security policies, security of Japan as well as peace and stability in the Asia-Pacific region and to contribute even more to proactively securing in securing the peace. And for that, they say they are going to have programs at their educational institutions, universities, etc. At the same time, They need more people. They need to attract more young people into their armed forces. They have too few young people. Ideally, they want more babies. But until that happens, and those babies grow up. If at all that happens, they want their young people to get more interested in armed forces. They want to improve the working conditions in the armed forces, better compensation. Also, to inspire more of the Japanese youth to come to the nation's defense. Because you know what? If your defense has been underwritten by a bigger power for so many decades, your populations also tend to become a little bit, little bit complacent about this because you know that Uncle Sam will always come and protect you. Now the Japanese are saying, we also need to look after our own security needs. And that is the big change right now. And that is the big change in Japan. So if I just list for you the four key objectives of their national security policy. One is, one is obviously platitude, strengthening diplomacy. Number two, building a comprehensive defense architecture. That is key because that has military, military implications. Number three, protecting territorial integrity and ensuring maritime security. Very important. Number four, strengthening cyber security, intelligence, counter-terrorism, intelligence capabilities. Strengthening Japan's C4I, that is command, control, communication, computers, and intelligence, that is the holy foursome of national security, C4I. Strengthening C4I, stabilizing, stabilizing the use of outer space, and improving technological capabilities. Further, they say, That they aim at strengthening U.S.-Japan security cooperation. That is is taken for granted. And then they list partners for peace and stability in the international community. And who are the partners? That's where India finds a mention. So Republic of Korea, Australia, ASEAN, and India. These are countries with which they say they share universal values and strategic interests. And then there is another gem that I pick out of this national security strategy. They say that they will now use ODA that is the overseas development assistance. You know, Japanese are big aid funders. Big aid funders, they also give really cheap loans to countries to build infrastructure or bullet trains or metros, for example, are mostly being built by money lent to us by the Japanese. So they say they will now use their ODA or, or overseas development assistance for strategic purposes. So to me, that is one of the strongest takeaways from these documents. So, once again, I am sharing the document, documents with you. The two earlier episodes of Kata Clutter that I had done, that is on Senkaku Islands with the Chinese and Kurils with the Russians, we will repurpose them, shorter them a little bit and maybe rerun them over the next couple of weekends so you can refresh your knowledge and memory as well.